Welcome back to another edition of the Equalizer podcast. I'm Becky Morgan, and today I am recording with Jeff Kasuf, who just finished watching the U.S. play Portugal in New Zealand live from the stadium, and he was in the mixed zone and everything. So, Jeff, we are looking forward to hearing everything you have to say about this game. How are you doing? <laughs> I don't know if I'm looking forward to everything I have to say about this game, because <laughs> that was one i have covering this team for 14 years at World Cups in person, this is my third straight, and that's one of the worst performances I've seen from the U.S. in a game that really mattered. Wow! Uh, particularly given the opponent um, in, in a in a while uh, or period, really. So, um, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about it. So, to me, the thing that just has been standing at so much, and this is not new. This is just being, I think. Um, enhanced in the the setting that we're in but i mean the u.s is just playing so individual individualistically um there's just very little cohesion and the midfield in particular was dire this game and i don't know if you saw any of the past networks that people were posting on twitter um particularly yash i will make sure to um to retweet that so you can find this uh I, there was no past network for the u.s I, it was almost completely non-existent um, where Portugal, you could see the midfield diamond pretty well. You know, they were moving the ball fairly consistently, but the U.S. was not. What is going on there? Yeah, I did see that. Um, I saw, you know, the the real-time version of it with with my eyes in the stadium at Eden Park. Um, you know, the concern for me, and, and I think for everybody, and it should be for the team, is that, you know, you said tonight. This is not a tonight problem, right? I mean, watching the first half of that Portugal game was – a mirror image of watching the the first half of the Netherlands game, which was, was terrible. And and that's the concern is that you look at everything that was wrong with the first half of the Netherlands game played out again against Portugal, which, you know, respectfully, I think is viewed as an inferior opponent. I think they were very good tonight. So let me say up front, Portugal was very good here. And, 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 you know, a lot of the focus, particularly in the U S all the focus is going to be on how, or the U.S. looked, and it'll probably detract a bit from Portugal. So let me say up front that um, they were very good. Frankly, deserved to win the game, which meant they deserved to go through in the group. Um, you know, and and that's the the cruel side of the sport to to use the cliche. But um, you know, I think we expected a bit more defensive discipline from them, or we we got that from them. I think we expected them to be more bit more defensive. Like to to wrap that back around to this theme that the concern that nothing has actually changed to, to look at the Netherlands game, everybody after that game, Alex Morgan, Lindsay Horan, Flakononovsky eventually, you know, the day before this Portugal match got around to saying, yes, Portugal did control that game and, and our press was no good. And that, that was the whole theme. Right. And, and the, the, the derivation of that was everybody was disconnected and then to come out and do the same thing against Portugal where mm-hmm. everybody's stepping into the ball late. I mean, I, I'm taking notes, throughout the first half and and in a, in a span of 10 minutes in that first half you had first it was Emily Fox then Crystal Dunn then Julie Ertz so three of your four players on the back line in a 10 minute span played a ball out of bounds under little or no pressure trying mm-hmm. to build out of the back um so so the fact that all of these problems the same problems continued is is the big red flag here right like n- nothing has changed and and that is i think a huge concern Going into a game likely against Sweden is is the assumption anyway. And, you know, I just don't know 
it's one thing to have a bad game. It's one thing to, to, to maybe not adapt. There's a bad matchup. This is, this is a repeat of, of what we saw against the Netherlands in, in very much the same ways. I mean, have teams just learned how to at least just stop this U S team? Because I mean, this U S team is not, they're not playing like the U S you know, there's not this relentless pressure on their opponents and then just like, you know, pure aggression. They're sitting back a little more. They seem more unsure of themselves. At the same time, though, I mean, Portugal didn't generate a single shot on goal, I don't believe, where, I mean, the U.S. did at least generate six and have 17 shots. So they did have some offensive output, but just cannot finish. So, I mean, would this game look very different if the U.S. played the same way, but just managed to actually get some of those, you know, decent shots in the back of the net? Well, look, they had some opportunities. I mean, I, I think the numbers are a little deceiving there in terms sure. of good opportunities, right? I mean, you've got the 25 minutes in, you've got Lynn Williams with a double double chance, a, a huge moment for her in her first minutes for start. Um, you know, some of these opportunities, I, I think a couple of occasions where Alex Morgan gets behind in the second half and 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 it was well off frame. Um, same for Sophia Smith in that second half on, on a rebound opportunity off the corner. So, you know, the, the numbers there, I think, are a little bit deceiving because you, if you ask me what were the best opportunities of the game, you've got um, you've got Jessica Silva in the first half, mm-hmm. right? And and she gets in behind, and I think she probably takes that shot too early is is a little bit a little bit wasteful. Um, and then you've got right before halftime, uh, Nazareth with a, a a shot dipping, bending toward the the top corner. I think maybe Alyssa Nair has that covered, but then. Obviously, the final seconds. I mean, the, the U.S. was maybe six inches of of that Anna Capetta shot moments after she comes into the game mm-hmm. in the in second half stoppage time. Maybe six inches from going home in the group stage for the first time, being the first defending champion to go home in, in the group stage in the subsequent tournament. And, and I don't think anybody could have argued that it would have been unjust or, or unfair of a result. So, no, I mean, to, to answer your question about was you know, have teams figured them out a little bit? Yes, I think our teams no longer scared of them. Absolutely, you know. But but there's also like again the the, the point I was making earlier about the same problems persisting. I, I thought the first, I, I thought from the start like the U.S. needed an early goal in this game to set the tone, to likely have to play, you know, a goal of a game of goal difference with the Netherlands who went and won seven nil against Vietnam. Maybe that's a tired Vietnam team, whatever, but let's compare the Vietnam games of, of the U S and the Netherlands. Right. And, and look what the Netherlands were able to do um, when, when they needed to in a way that the U S didn't in terms of piling that on. So um, yes, that, that does all relate back to the the finishing, but uh, you know, this game against Portugal they come out. I thought the first five minutes or so, we saw the high pressure. It was 25 seconds in where mm-hmm. Lynn Williams and Rose Lavelle, the only changes to the lineup, they combine. Lynn Williams whips across in. Okay, maybe there's some energy here. And just like the Netherlands game, it lasted so briefly. And then the U.S. drops off into this mid-block. I mean, I looked at the 20th minute mark in the FIFA data platform that we have access to. And I, I mean, I tweeted it. They classify low, mid, and high pressure and blocks. The U.S. was predominantly playing in a low block by by their data tracking at that oh. point in the game, and that's that's what you expected out of Portugal to to play lower to counter. Certainly, they had the quality, more quality than Vietnam. But again, why is this team? 
this U.S. team that is so good in in a high press that is able to make teams make mistakes in in areas close to their goal and then turn around and quickly counter on it. That is how they won the 2019 mm-hmm. World Cup. It is different. The personnel is different now. We know that. But it is not incapable personnel. It is personnel that can still play very well in that kind of a system. And and they do that for five minutes. They actually get a couple of opportunities out of that. They force some turnovers. Naomi Gurma is winning a ball 35 yards from goal. That's how high up the line of confrontation was. And then they just drop off and, and let Portugal play. And yeah. just like the Netherlands – they they dictate play they play through it and the only difference here really was uh, they they portugal did not have the 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 quality in the final third to to finish in the way that the netherlands did at least once i mean i think you really summed it up in the fact that the us is just letting other teams play when historically the goal was always like we're not going to let them play at all we are just going to be in their face and dominate them and that I mean, people talk about the us mentality being different but i mean this is happening so often i can't believe it's a player mentality it has to be direction they're given but i mean for me watching this game it's very hard for me to see what the actual game plan actually is and i I think the thing that has also stuck with me is the usually stalwart players that have been around and have been reliable for years like crystal dunn she's not had a very good tournament she's been very off Emily Fox is a lot newer, but she's also not been on. Lindsay Horan has definitely struggled. Alyssa Nair made that, you know, crazy, just complete whiff on the ball. So, you know, clearly the players, I wouldn't necessarily, it's their mentality. They seem very off. What do you think is happening there? Yeah, the mentality piece came up in post game, as we know. I think anybody listening to this, I, I know some, you know, that came up on on the U.S. broadcast. It, it made its way immediately into the press conference here in Auckland, where where Vlakonovsky was prompted about it. He said, "Anybody questioning the mentality of this team is insane." Um, that was prompted as as Carly Lloyd having said that on Fox. Make of that what what you will, um, but but I think the mentality piece was a question. I think it still is a question because th- there is. There is a lack of of cutting edge and killer instinct out there in a way that we're typically used to seeing from a U.S. team, but it's not the end-all, be-all answer by any means. I mean, this is tactically – I mean, to your point, I don't know – I can't point to a U.S. player right now and say they're having a very good World Cup, at least you know, consistently game-to-game after three games now. Who has had a very good three games – as a whole, right? Um, yeah, and particularly against Portugal. I mean, everybody you name. I, I mean, I think uh, the the fullbacks were were not good. Um, the forward line again did not offer much, and and you know, and, and that's not even that's not solely on those people either, right? Because there was a moment in the first half again to illustrate where you know on that left side for the U.S. Sophia Smith. I feel like every time the it was so predictable from the U.S. that it was. They swing it left. It goes to Dunn, and and they play Smith up the line. And her move was let it run through her and try to turn the defender so she can have that space in behind, right? And I think I mean Portugal picked up on that. But you know, then that one point right before halftime, she she gets she faces up on the ball, puts her foot on the ball, looks up, and she sees four red jerseys with no U.S. runners. There was there was no midfielder running in the space. There was no option forward. Every every angle was cut off. And 
you know, that, that again speaks to the individual issues. It speaks to the tactical issues. This, this for me, I mean, I think we could go on all night here, Becky, but um, this having, this is my third world cup in person. And, and, you know, the the vibes are always different, right? In 2019, the confidence was there. It was clear that they were the best team in the world at that time. The challengers obviously gave them a fight, France in the quarterfinal, even Spain in the round of 16. But it it was clear that this was a team that was, that should win um, and that, that had what it takes to win tactically, mentally, you look at everything that they went through off the field. Uh, but, but 2015 just is, this is burned in my memory that, that this is so much like 2015. They have not played well in the group stage. I've actually, I, I think they've played worse in this group stage than they did in the 2015 group stage. The points I, would I think so, yeah. support that as well. And, you know, we know that what, what happened, they, they still didn't play well against Colombia in the round of 16. They got by and then everything changed with the suspensions, the tactical changes. Finally, in the quarterfinal, they looked good against China and they took off from there, right? They beat Japan 5-2 in the final. But this is is so much like 2015, but wh- where does that change come from? Who steps up and, and makes that difference? You know, in 15, you had, you know, you unlocked Carly Lloyd, you unlocked... Lauren Chaney and Morgan Bryan, Morgan Gatra now in, in the midfield. You know, I think the drastic change is needed. And by the way, you've got to do that now without Rose Lavelle, who's suspended for picking up a second yellow card in this game, a second of the tournament. So the one of the big answers, if not the answer to what was supposed to solve all this, is yet again absent in the next game. And and how do you solve that? I mean, who's your number 10 against possibly Sweden in a knockout round game? It's, I guess it's Savannah DeMello again. Um, and, and again, it's not just down to that. Who's who's that midfield trio, period, right? And, yeah. and what are your options really if you want to make a drastic change? I, I don't know what those necessarily are, but um, th- this is a lot like 15, except I, I just don't see how you get – I don't see what the end game to the same end result is of of winning a World Cup here um, because they, they haven't looked apart. And the other thing too, though, is, I mean, if there's anything that has been obvious about this World Cup, it's the, you know, the world ha- isn't just catching up, it, it has caught up to the U.S. In 2015, you know, the U.S. still did have the edge in terms of investment, despite, you know, disputes about pay and everything. They did still have you know, something of the edge in, in development, and that's gone now. So, you know, with with all these teams now stepping up, you know that makes the path I think even less clear for the U.S. in terms of you know being able to pull out kind of a stunning turnaround this late to match 2015. Yeah, and, you know, one Absolutely. thing. Oh, please go ahead. No, I, I fully agree. I mean, I think this that that is the difference. You're right. I mean, Portugal's better, right? Colombia is beating Germany. Nigeria is going through. These teams are are better. Uh, I mean, the, the floor has come up so far that the average game that you go into and say, okay, the U.S. is clearly winning this, Germany's clearly winning this. Whoever, you know, pick your your top five maybe um, in a, in a quarterfinal back then or you know before twenty fifteen a round of sixteen game. I mean, forget it now. There's there's no, you know. It, it might not mean that we get a new champion, right? It might mean the same old folks at the end of this this tournament, but it certainly has meant we've had some surprising results. I don't think we're done with them in the knockout stage, at least for, you know, maybe the first, the round of 16 here. But yeah, you, you just can't, and, and you're not going to get it anyway, because you're mm-hmm. probably going to get Sweden. 
Yeah, yeah, good point. So, you know, one thing that I saw people were screaming about during the course of the game is why weren't there more subs? And then we did eventually get a whole bunch of subs in this match. Rapino came in earlier, but then we had Sana, O'Hara, Thompson, and Rodman all came in. Did you see anything change with these additions or was it just still the same old kind of confused sluggish sluggish individual play Uh, i can't say i saw much change i I mean what what i'm shocked by in the sub i mean the substitution i know that you know against the netherlands it was where are they right and in this one you know we finally get to see rapino i I mean this felt like you know maybe maybe this is you know, us as, as journalists and writers and, and what, what are the, what are the stories here? This felt like it was maybe when she came into the game set up for, okay, this is why you brought Rapino to the world cup, right? You, you know, final 20, 30 minutes, you, you need a result. You haven't been inspiring as a team. You know, she's the person to not only round the troops up, but also maybe have that moment of brilliance. Um, and we didn't really get that from her, obviously, again, not, not isolating that to her, um, the, the thing that I, you know, I, I mean, to, to, again, to talking about performances that I've, I can't recall ever seeing from the U S I mean, that late sub where, you know, Sonnet comes on for Haran and yeah, you know, look, I, I mean, at that point you are just trying to get through. Right. And that was the message after the game. All, I mean, the vibe in the, in the mix zone after the game from pretty much every player, varying degrees of frustration i will say um you know from from okay to to clearly more frustrated but you know was hey we got through that's what matters we're not happy with the performance we're not going to tell you it was good but the point was to get through so that was that was the message but you know and, and portugal had to win this game right portugal let's not forget portugal had a chance to go through in their first mm-hmm. world cup with a win in this game so this game gets late it's nil nil still they're chasing this game Again, six inches from from that shot going in, but but where did that happen and how did that happen? The sub to put Sonnet in for Haran is is hey we've we've stopped chasing a goal in this game. We yeah. we've given up on scoring in this game against Portugal, where you know we have the talent to be scoring and and you know should be you know in this situation. This this is a moment where a U.S. team, this U.S. team with enough talent, should be owning. You know, we, we've gone to a double pivot and we're just going to protect the nil-nil lead. Um, you know, uh, again, it's it's what you had to do at that point. But if it's not so indicative of where things were and, and how we had gotten to that point. And then, anyway, it's it's Sonnet chasing on that goal or that that shot that that rings off the post where where the U.S. again gets totally stretched in, in these individual sort of sort of moments. I mean, um you know, I, I think anybody who follows our coverage, who follows me, I mean, I'm pretty pragmatic. I'm pretty level on these things. Um, you know, it, it's not often that I would sit here and say, you know, somebody can find the record book to t- to find the last time I said this is one of the worst performances I've seen from the U.S. Just in terms of the stakes, the opponent, um, the, you know, the stakes of if you if you had lost, if that shot had gone in, uh, I can't think of. I can't think of something to compare this to. I mean, certainly, you know, I was comparing this. um, I had this conversation with Heather O'Reilly for uh, a preview piece that I did for the guardian before this tournament. And we talked a little bit about the mentality actually. And 
I was asking about it, and, and this is this is published in the piece. So I'm not I'm not saying anything new here if you've read, but like 2007 is when is the last like big U.S. implosion, and even that was, you know, they got smoked in the semifinal, and then you know the Hope Solo comments and everything falls apart from there, and you know Greg Ryan is fired. But yeah, I mean, I mean that at least got to a semifinal. Obviously, yeah. um, this is this is probably the you know in terms of the the play and the mood and and where this feels like it's going i mean i think that's you got to go back 16 years for that even beyond the 2015 where they were terrible in the group stage and you know obviously they figured it out i mean this is this is um it hasn't been good so this has been a tournament of surprising results with you know germany obviously getting the shock loss australia losing to nigeria um canada getting eliminated um, even though maybe that's not quite as shocking. Is this still, I mean, this still feels worse for the U.S. to me because the U.S., you know, unlike Germany and, and Australia, haven't put forward any truly convincing games. It's not like you can really write this off as a fluke because this seems like kind of the same old, same old we've seen from the U.S. for the last year. Like nothing is getting better for them. And after the last game against the Netherlands, you know, you you just saw a lot of people putting forth, oh, well, we should have had Lynn Williams in the game. Oh, we should have had more subs. Well, they did that this game and there is no better result. So how dire is this for the United States, would you say? Yeah, I mean, look, I think we've said it for for 20 minutes, right? I mean, they're in trouble. Um, and, and that doesn't mean that they can't beat Sweden. They have the talent. We've been saying they've have they have the talent. Um, and sorry, I'm presuming Sweden here. It doesn't mean that they can't win their next game. doesn't mean that they can't still make a deep run. Uh, I mean, these things, this is the World Cup. I mean, the, the quote from Alex Morgan, you know, in the uh, in the post game, and, and I've actually got it up. So so let me just, um, I can I can probably read it to you. Um, we expect so much of ourselves. We hold a high standard, and we wanted to go through first in the group. And this is the World the World Cup. This World Cup is crazy. Every World Cup is crazy, but this one especially, um, alluding to some of what you just mentioned of, of the results that we've seen and the upsets. But, um, you know, World Cups change quickly. I, I mean, teams that were high on now could have a bad night and go out. I mean, that that's the nature of a knockout tournament. Teams that we are totally concerned about and the U.S. being high, high, maybe highest on that list, you know, could suddenly click. And, and, and you know, that's what everybody thought you know, or at least was waiting for uh, against Portugal. Um, but, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, got to, uh, Flacco said he needed to sort of rewatch the game to, to have a, a better answer to at least one of the questions about, you know, what exactly needs to change and what wasn't good enough. Um, so maybe I'll, I'll borrow a line from him in terms of uh, maybe needing to rewatch a little bit to say what exactly needs to change um, from, from the U S in terms of these drastic changes, because I, I, I think it's clear. And, and to your point, like one substitute, two substitutions, really. I mean, Lavelle got into the game in the second half against the Netherlands, but two changes to the starting 11 was not the answer. And again, that's not on those two players. This was a, a collective problem. So how do you, how do you solve that again? I mean, I, I compared to 2015 where the, the change was drastic, right? It was a formation change. You know, it was, it was significant, significant enough personnel change in terms of adding some bite to the midfield, moving Carly Lloyd higher up, right? Uh, I'll stop the comparisons now with that, but to say, 
you know, I mean, part of one of these debates that we've had is should Juliet be at center back instead of in the holding mid position, right? And and the midfield has been struggling. The midfield's been struggling tactically. I, I think it's lacked bite, and and obviously Ertz brings that. So, you know, I, I am on record as agreeing with, given the scenarios, given the options that you have once Becky Sauerbrunn was out, I understand completely why Ertz is at center back. I don't think, of all the things that have been a problem, I actually don't think, maybe center back from both of them, Germa and Gertz is, is maybe the least of the problems is the best way to put who's who's been doing well in this tournament. But um, is the drastic change moving her into the holy mid, getting that Julie Ertz wrecking ball, Vlako Nanovsky's um, artists and warriors balance, is it moving her into there, bring Cook in at center back, now you've got the bite in midfield. And then, you know, at forward, I, I mean – Again, the talents there. I don't know if it's changes at forward. You got the change between Rodman and, and Williams today, and these forwards just have to. It doesn't matter who it is; they need to finish right. And and yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, it's a little bit of needing some drastic change. It's a little bit of you know this hurry up and wait of when are these things that we keep expecting, and maybe that's on us to expect some of these things. You know, when are they going to actually happen? And, Look, I mean, this is not me reacting here to say this, and, and I know we're, we don't want to go too long here just to say. Um, I've said this. I mean, I've said this before any game was played in this tournament. World Cups are about timing. And and I said this before the World Cup, and, and it's playing out this way that this, this U.S. team has plenty of talent. I don't think between the injuries, between the lineup changes, between where players are in their careers, I don't think they've had the timing. I, I think the results are showing that. And – this just has felt like pre-tournament and nothing has nothing that's happened so far has made us think otherwise or made me think otherwise in this this feeling that this feels like a team with all the talent and, and everything to really contend for the 2027 World Cup and and maybe on home soil, right? Who knows what that pressure would be. But in terms of 2023 and, and World Cups being about peaking at the right time, which is always what the U.S. has talked about in the past, they clearly have not been peaking to date. I mean, you bring up a good point. The, you know, should we really be that surprised by this performance, considering we are basically in a huge development cycle that was also stunted by COVID? I mean, I don't want to make excuses for the team because I think that they've, they've, for whatever reason, I'm not, not for individual players, like you said, just had a flat out bad performance. They've not been convincing in the last year, hardly at all. But, you know, we do have a lot of young players in their first World Cup. We do have a lot of veteran players exiting out. You know, most there's a reason that three consecutive World Cups have not been won before. And part of that is because you need to have this kind of massive churn where, you know, the young players get their legs and get the experience and get the mentality locked down to become the strong veterans that they will be in the future. So, I mean... we are so blinded by how dominant the U S was in 2019 that like truly looking at this from an Eagle eye is, is this really that surprising that they're performing it the way they are? No, I mean, all the things we just talked about, right. I mean, the timing, the, the issues, I agree with you. The, the, I don't, I don't know anybody who's actually following, you know, closely enough and, and giving um, the full context of, of what you just gave that doesn't, acknowledge all of those things you just said sure. the, the 
the lost year to COVID, um, a full year delay in, in the turnover, well, full year delay to the Olympics, which then makes a full year delay to, you know, the plan for the, the roster turnover. Um, I mean, all of those things are context. They are valid. They are, you know, even the injuries. I mean, again, it's, it's the balance here of like uh, these excuses are not, you know, are they, are they, but you know, the injury piece is valid. I mean, to, to have those keep going, you know, part of that rebuild that, that didn't have enough time was Katarina Macario was going to be like the focal point of this team. Was it at the nine? Was it at the 10? But like, that's what last spring was all about. And then she mm-hmm. blows the ACL, right? Um, you've got all these injuries, players who came back from injury just in, in time to be ready for this tournament, which is, I mean, my gosh, like Lynn Williams by January, Kelly O'Hara gets on the roster without playing as much in the spring. Yeah. Rose Lavelle's out for three months and makes the roster. Um, and Ertz. then, and then you get that Ertz, Ertz dealing with, you know, and, and obviously barely had many reps in this sort of comeback or, or not as many as planned because of the issues with the muscle tightness. And then you get the Becky Sauerbrunn news. I mean, you know, it, it has been an endless stream of injuries, you know, but at some point, again, you've got the talent. Um, these aren't, you know, other than Savannah DeMello coming in uncapped on this roster, these aren't players who haven't been in the environment at all. They haven't been together. I mean, they've, they've gone through this year and a half together for the most part, the core of this group. So, um, you know, it's again, I mean, people want black and white and, and life is pretty gray, right? So it, it is that, that context is all valid. And with that said, um, it just hasn't been good enough. Right. And, and so, yeah, I think the turnover is a piece of it, but um you know, you brought up the point about three straight. I mean, and you have me thinking about Germany now and, you know, they won 03, 07, and then 2011 on home soil with, with huge expectations. Um, there was no round of 16 then, but the quarterfinal, their first knockout game, they're out against Japan. And they had, you know, among things happening there, they were managing Birgit Prinz at the back end of her career. And, you know, um, probably some parallels there too, just, just in general of, of dealing with a, a generational turnover. So yeah, I think, um, look, it, it's not, I mean, I know we're kind of doomsday. Let's, let's remind people the U S is, is playing again on Sunday. So they, <laughs> they have advanced, um, you know, I, we probably, you know, maybe if you woke up and didn't actually look at anything and were your first source of information, um, they, they did not crash out of the tournament here in the group stage at least, but, um, yeah, I, I just, again, it could turn quickly and, and the talent is there to, to, for that to happen, but you know, where that's going to come from. I just don't know. I mean, I, like, the, the variation of answers I asked, um, Kelly O'Hara among others, I asked a few players and, and Alex Morgan gave a nice detailed answer about all of the things, including again, if we're talking about trends, she said both in the mix zone and then she had to do the press conference because she was the player of the match. And that's a requirement. She said in both settings twice, we have to be better in our defensive shape for more than one to two seconds, which again is the same problem against the Netherlands. I mean, she, mm-hmm. the fact that she reiterated it was pretty telling. Um, but I mean, I also asked Kelly O'Hara, uh, I think among three others, you know, what needs to change? And and she just kind of paused after trying to think about it and said, I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and that's not on her. She's not the coach, but like, you know, that, that just feels like kind of where we're at right now. And they've got, what is it? It's Tuesday here. It's Tuesday night. It's almost Wednesday morning. Now we're recording. They've got five days to figure it out. Well, it'll be 
interesting to say the least as to, to see what happens. That is about all the time we have for today's podcast. Jeff, thanks so much for staying up after the game and chatting with us. On behalf of Equalizer, I'm Becky Morgan, and we'd like to give a special shout out to our producer, Jacqueline Purdy, and we will see you next time. 